Welcome, I'm Faye Waterman, the Conversation Curator, and today this is What's Your Superpower, the podcast, and my guest today is Misty Henkel, the sales queen. Welcome, Misty, and thank you for your time. Oh, you're welcome, Faye. I always love being interviewed, so it's good to come out and see you again. I've been interviewed by you before. Like, yes. Yes. Now, Misty, what the purpose of our what's our superpower or what's your superpower is so that you can talk about what you're good at and why you're good at it and how you can help others to be good at what they do. So please share a little bit of your background of where you come from and how you got to where you are today. All right. So uh, I'm a sales trainer, but I'm a salesman by trade. Uh, I've always loved money since, I don't know, the moment I saw my first little coin and um, realized that that thing buys chocolate and I've just always had an affinity for it and always wanted it. Uh, so over the years from, you know, like really small, you know, right up, I learned to knit when I was five. I learned to crochet when I was seven. I think sewing was somewhere between five and seven. Uh, I know I used to knit um, babies' clothes, so babies' booties. I'd send them off to my great-grandmother in Burke. And she would sell them for me, then I would get the cash. And I just love that, like ways to earn your own money. I think when I was about seven or eight, a friend of my mom's, I was um, crocheting doilies. I'd learned how to crochet doilies. And she said, could you do a step to my bedroom? You sit down and you write down every time that you start it, write down the time. And then when you finish, write down the time. We'll work out exactly how long it took you to do it. And then I'll decide what I'll pay you for that. And um, it's about 50 hours, I paid uh, $50. I was about, yeah, eight, nine. I was young. I was less than 10. And I That's had pretty amazing. This you is know? great. Yeah. Being an entrepreneur at such a young age. Yeah. Not realising that those entrepreneurial skills were going to take you somewhere else, but developing those. Did you have someone you cherished or you had as a mentor to nurture? No. I had these lines. Um, see, your great grandmother, she could sell us to Eskimos, and we ha- I had an aunt, I have an aunt as well who same thing. You know, Janine could sell us to Eskimos, and so I've always heard that line that you've got to be. You know, it's a it's it's talent. It's um, you're born with it. They just have the ability, the gift of the gab. Turns out everybody in my family has a gift of the gab. Everybody in my family can talk. And so along the way of this accidental journey, but working out how to have my own money. So I went into odd jobs, but I was always looking for work. So from the age of 13, I was a nanny to three boys. So a a newborn, a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Most afternoons after school, I would go over this one, like year eight, year nine, maybe year eight, I think. I would go over um, in the afternoon. Turns out years later, I discovered the mum had postnatal depression. So I gave her a break for about um, four hours every afternoon and I'd go over and I'd um, you know, play with the boys, but I would I would bath them, dress them, give them dinner um, before being driven home um, most afternoons and uh, worked at a costume shop. Found that hard. I can do it now. So I found out the secrets to selling much later and uh, uh, from deliberately going into deliberate sales jobs like, as a barmaid, as furniture Can I sales. just stop you for a minute? Yeah. Working in the costume shop, you said you found it hard. What was hard yeah. about it? What did it's you find? Hard. People would come in and they'd say, so I've got to go to a costume party and the theme is C. So what could I go as? 
And then I would say, which drives me bananas, but it's actually the standard line that any any assistant, sales assistant, store assistant, but ultimately sales will say is, well, what do you like? Well, clearly, if it was about what they liked, they wouldn't be in asking. <laughs> it was about what they didn't know. Um, and so they weren't asking. Looking back, they weren't asking, what do you recommend I go as? It's like, what do you have? What's yes. available to see? And we had books on that. But I didn't, um, young, I didn't understand the question, even though I kept being given the answers over and over going, here's a book, just have them go through the book. You know, um, I thought I had to help them. I had to pick it. And it's the same working in jewellery. I couldn't sell jewellery. I, I could sell silver jewellery. I couldn't sell gold because I didn't wear this stuff myself. So people are coming and go, oh, look at these rings. But looking back, it's like, why don't you try it on? What do you like? What, what do you like the look of? Why don't you just try it on? They'll actually sell it to themselves. All they need is encouragement to test things out. And the customer will actually buy all by themselves. So I've learned a lot of sales stuff along the way. I deliberately went into sales jobs like as a barmaid. So uh, for 10 years, barmaids are serving food and drink. And that was deliberate, many reasons. One of them was I like the idea of earning tips. Now, we don't really do that. We don't do that in Australia. Uh, but if I had have worked over in Canada, even now, if I work over in Canada or America, I'd clean up 100%. I would clean up. In fact, I've been to America and Canada and I have said, um, like I've gone over there, gone to restaurants and things, and I give tips and I've gone, I could have done such a better job. Like, seriously, <laughs> I would have earned more money in tips than you would have been paying for dinner. And it's not hard. It's little things like, oh, you've got an accent. Where are you from? Australia. Okay. Have you gone and seen? And people pay more money for what they aren't paying for, so information, than what they do for they're paying for. So as a barmaid, if I just serve them the food and the drink, which is what they ask for, it's not actually worth anything because it's worth well, I did my job, what they asked for. It's giving the extra information. Yeah, it's having that conversation mm -hmm. with them and giving them information that they're not familiar with. Yeah. And it's actually what you're doing is building that trust so that they want to come back if they're a local or whatever or they enjoy the environment and the atmosphere and someone like you to serve them. Yeah, so therefore they keep coming back for returns. So I used to say to my mum, my mum would say, I was about 24, and she'd say, but you're just a barmaid. I said, I'm not just a barmaid, mum. I'm the greatest barmaid in the world. People come in with very little money. They leave with even less, and they don't blame me for it, and they come back the next day to do it again, and they don't blame me for it. I said, because of the night that they had. You know, I would put the music on in the jukebox. I wouldn't ask them to do it. I'd put the music on. What songs do you like? I'd put the music on in the jukebox. They'd sit there all night and listen to their songs. So yeah. easy, right? So I would literally say, like, my boss, uh, the last place that I worked at was um, in Hayes. It was a small country town, but um, the pub there. And my boss, when he hired me, said, your job is to not let them leave while they have money in their wallet. Right then I'll make that happen. No such thing as a drunk person when they've got money in their wallet. The truth is I had the drunkest person on the planet in one day and I've gone, oh, my God, I can't serve him. One of the new local policemen came in. So he'd only been new to town and he came in having a drink 
so in civvies, just in normal T-shirts and stuff, right? And uh, this guy, this incredibly drunk guy, that thought, I can't serve, I technically shouldn't even have you in here. Like he couldn't hardly lift his head off the table. He was so drunk, <laughs> right? Like, Glass of water, you're on your way out, right? So he's walking, so this, this new guy was walking around having a drink and this dude's name was Pistol and he said, oh, you're new in town. So for as drunk as he was, he could recognise a new person. Oh, you're new in town. What do you do? And the guy said, I'm, uh, yeah, I've just moved into town. I'm the local street sweeper. He goes, street sweeper? What is that? He said, about two o'clock most mornings. He said, I go out and I clean all the crap out of the gutters. He goes, that's great. The next day, he comes in in uniform because he was working. He comes through and he had to walk through the pub. Pistol was in it again. He goes, I know you. He said, you said you were some sort of cleaner at night, a garbage man. You're a cop. And he said, no, I said, I'm a street sweep when I clean the crap out of the gutters at 2 o'clock in the morning. He goes, I get it. He was still that drunk. And it's when I really looked at him and gone, see, you could come to me, be the only person in the pub, come up to the bar, buy a beer. I'd say, hi, how are you going? Where are you from? You know, this is great. Buy a beer. Go around the corner, play the poker machines for five minutes. Come back to the bar without your empty glass and I would see you as a completely new person I'd start the conversation all again hi how are you going where are you from and these people would look at me going it's weird I couldn't retain the um the visual look of a person when I assume them to look a different way there's no way I can remember who someone is when they come in in a yellow shirt today and now they're wearing a uniform tomorrow like there's no way until I really know the person, there's no way I'm going to recognise him. This guy was drunk out of his mind to what it looked like and yet he could recognise someone going from walking around having a beer and a drink with everyone to being in a police uniform the next day with a hat, so like completely different. And it really opened my eyes to there's really no such thing as a drunk person, just someone who wants to play it. Yeah. As drunk as they like, right, because this guy <laughs> and... And so I would look at it like that and just go, well, <laughs> if you can understand all of this. He, um, would, get, he would get to see things that we don't observe. So he obviously was drunk or as drunk as he wanted to be, played maybe. He could, oh, no, he was, he was completely. But, you know, you observe what you want to observe. Yeah. And um, so anyhow, I had this ability to just, um, yeah. but people would, because that was my job, right? My job was to serve the drinks or to feed them food or whatever it was, right? So I didn't serve drunk people. I just served them. Um, they knew not to play drunk. Like, I mean, I remember serving one guy. I had no idea he was drunk. Like, None. He sat at the bar all night. Drunk people are really good, right? They know that they're not allowed to drink in there. So when he had to get up to go to the bathroom, he did a beeline out to the bathroom and you'd be like, he was fine. But at the end of the night, when it was time to leave, he had to crawl to the door. I thought, oh, crap, I've served you for too long, but you can't tell. Mm -hmm. um, when people want to drink until it, you can't tell because they know how to behave now and it's only a problem right at the end. Yeah. But, um, my point being to the story is not that I got people drunk, but my point being is always just love money and it's how you treat people. You know, Faye, they say this all the time. So as a sales trainer, I'm just going to throw this in. They say this all the time. It's about building rapport. I've never built rapport with a single person. I've always just assumed we're friends. Why would we not be? Just because I don't know who you are, just because you don't know who I am. So as a result, I've maintained rapport 
but never built it. I've maintained the relationship from my end. I've created it at my end, maintained it. I've never built it. And as a result, people don't know the difference. Is it that you recognize those people and notice them because when you have conversations with people particularly street people say they say thank you for seeing me that's what I do turns out we could say that that's my superpower I have the ability to make people feel good and so therefore you know things happen but the truth is when it comes to my superpower so as a sales trainer so I go from being a salesman so I went from being a barmaid to um selling fantastic furniture so so I sell um so I worked in a supermarket. We sell everything at full price. I then went as a barmaid and, um, you know, waitress where you sell everything at full price. I then worked at Fantastic Furniture where you weren't allowed to discount. That was the price. I worked for Apple Computers where the price is the price. I worked for the um, the government office in patents and trademarks where no matter how many trademarks you get in, it's the price per trademark times however many trademarks. I've never sold a thing. And, of course, I buy groceries. I've never sold a thing that was allowed to be discounted ever. And as a result, I get to this insight as a sales trainer. I've had this insight over the years of watching people bitch and complain about spending money on things. And I disagree with the price and I'm not doing it. Well, they turn around, open their wallet and buy it. Yeah. But hey, as a consumer, I do exactly the same thing. I go in to buy one thing, generally a block of chocolate. Most people buy coffee when it runs out. I mean, I'm all for the chocolate bars, right? So I'll go in, okay, just need one thing, chocolate. I'll go in to buy one block, $50 worth of stuff. Or I go in to buy the milk, <laughs> worth of chocolate later it's like why why are you like this and yet I still feed the machine the cash like I can complain but there's nothing that can be done short of me handing the stuff back and since I'm not going to so I've learned this insight into sales along the way so as a salesman I love sales and I believe everybody should have sales is a is a life skill if you want people to go on the holiday that you want to go on you're going to need some sales you want someone to go to the movies with you you're going to need some sales skills you want the kids to eat broccoli without bitching and complaining at you it's a bit easier when they're younger but you need some sales skills so sales is everywhere and then you know for other things sales is cash for thing as well which becomes uncomfortable because it's a cash related thing But it's no different to anything else. So I've become a sales trainer purposely to teach people how to use selling as a life skill. But also I have this underlying belief that everybody should be allowed to have the information on how to have money whenever they like, regardless of the economy. We don't learn it at school. And we can't learn it at school because the majority of people grow up with the idea that sales is hard and you have to be, let's go back to the original concept, born with the gift of the gab and a born salesman. Mm. But aren't we, aren't, aren't we selling ourselves every day, regardless of whether we're in business or whether we're in a job, we're selling ourselves because people will associate with you if they like you or they every get day. that feel. Every day. Every like, day. I mean, I grew up with the um, with the, the, the sales line of, um, you know, dress for the job that you're after. Dress for what you're after because, you know, that's the you've got 10 seconds or five seconds or they make an instant, you know, it's an instant impression on what it's going to be. On one hand, I do believe in that. But since COVID, I've gone, shit, I turn up in my pyjamas. I haven't washed my hair yet. I've been up since 4.30. Granted, it's only just 7 o'clock now. I haven't washed my hair yet. Thrown a crown on, put on some lippy, you know, wearing my TEDx T-shirt. Um, you know, look at the mess that's in the background, which, you know, it's the wall that people are used to. I mean, I'm aware of the mess. I don't know if anyone else notices it. I don't. You know what? You, does, don't, you don't see anything but what's no. on the wall behind I you. I sell, yeah, I sell 
I sell every day and I teach sales every day and I ignore this other stuff that I really don't have any control of at any one time. I have control of washing my hair. I don't have time of control of time when it's run out. And so I've learned that like even with networking events or sales classes, my mum would say, oh, but Missy, you need to be professional. You need to do this. I said, mum, I could run a sales class or a networking event out of the boot of my car and they're not going to notice the environment for the training that they get. Yeah. It's all how you, um, it's the perception, what you're selling is the perception of you and your, say, comfortableness of things in life, you know. Okay, let's talk about the environment. I mean, you know, what you do if you're selling out of the boot of your car, your environment is the boot of your car, there's more to the environment. The environment is you creating that place. It's all me. It's not the food of the car. It's got nothing comfort. to do with the food of the car. That's right. It's all me. That's right. 100%. It's so all me. They're not, yeah, they're not looking at anything else but you and listening to what you're saying. So technically, that's right. So technically a superpower of mine is I was given this, I was 27 years old and I was given this by um, someone who walked into the pub when I was in Hay. So this was a pub where you're allowed to eat, drink and smoke at the bar. And um, this is back in the day, right? We look at it only 20 years ago, right? You could smoke at the bar. And uh, and he came in, he was just a traveller coming through, stopped for the night. And of course, this cop was around talking around having a drink he goes wow and he didn't know his place so he said wow that guy is really knowledgeable he's only young right this guy's only like 27 too and he's or in his 20s and he said um guy's oh, really knowledgeable of you know what's going on in town what's in the news and I said yeah me I'm useless I said you you can give me a newspaper and I said I can't retain a single thing that shows up in a newspaper or on the news I said I have to read the same line 15 times I've got nothing and this guy said to me he said no he said but you've got something else that's actually more important really there's something more important than knowing about the news and what's going on in the world and he gave it to me and he said you have the ability to make people feel good he said in words what I've always known and what I've always worked on that's right I do that's how you sell if you can make someone feel good they will buy and it doesn't matter what they're buying it's because they like you so at the pub because I had the ability to make people feel good hey how you going I'll put some of your music on and you know how was your day? And here, let me get you a drink and I'll get dinner organised. And they're thinking, shit, I wasn't even staying that long. I just fluffed around and got it done then handed them a bill, right? But because I had the ability to make them feel good, they paid. But they weren't paying for the food and the drink. They were paying for the food and the drink, but they were initially paying for, actually, she's really nice and I just want to sit in this environment because I feel quite comfortable here. Yeah. And that's what they're paying for, right? They get the other stuff. So as a result, in my sales training, I teach that. But here's what's interesting. Here's my superpower. Because I've been asked this before. And actually, Faye, I was asked this. The first time we asked this, it was a networking event that you ran. And you went around, you said, what's your superpower? What's your superpower? And Mm. I was left to last this particular event. It was funny because half the group knew me and half the group didn't. And so when it got time to me, I remember you saying, so, Missy, what's your superpower? Not like we don't know, right? And, <laughs> and and it allowed me that moment because I've been sitting here going, what is my superpower? It allowed me that moment to go, no, you tell me what you think my superpower is. So I know this other guy years ago, 20 years ago, he told me my superpower was, he told it to me. He said, you have the ability to make people feel good. And he said, that's very important. And that's what made me so good at as a barmaid, right? So that's always been there. And I thought, I'll just hone in on that because that's really cool. I actually like that. Um, 
about anybody, but about me. I like that so much. That one moment, I used to be a not confident person, but from that one moment, my confidence changed entirely. Just knowing where my super, that superpower was. Yeah, go yeah. Says But it's also, that's it's what people see in you. Yeah, yeah, hearing someone else's view, right? So interesting yeah. in this event, you know, I had some say, you know, you give confidence in sales and then, you know, and you have the ability to break down sales so it's really easy so you can teach it really well. But yeah. it really came to, comes down to this. Yes, I can do all of those things and, yes, I do have the ability to make people feel good, right, which everybody does if they want to, right? But actually here's my superpower. So I'm a sales trainer, right? A salesman from sales trainer. Here is my superpower. I have the ability to teach anybody on the planet to be a salesman, whether they want to be or not. And it takes less than, I'll say 10 seconds, but it definitely takes less than five to 10 minutes. And then what I teach against their wishes, let's think the most staunch, I'm not a salesman, I don't want to be, I don't want to have to get to the gab, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it, I don't ever want to sell. Right? Yeah. So in regards to that, that person there, in less than five minutes, I can accidentally teach them to sell, although I know what I'm doing. I can accidentally teach them to sell so they turn around and go, damn you, I'm not going to be able to turn this off now. I hate you so much. I know, and I'm fine with that, right? So once you know how to do it, and the secret is, is you just tell people what it is that you're doing. If there's a, So anything you're doing, I'm going to the movies. Do you want to come with me? I mean, that's as hard as it is to sell. But then accept their answer. It's either yes or no. That's it. Whatever their answer is, go, no problems, right? Yes, great, let's go. No, all right, no problems. And so now when you learn that, it's really hard to turn off. It's looking at, you're making me look at it in a different perspective again where, you know, you ask someone to go to the movies with you, you can go by yourself, but you'd like to have some company and they can say yes or no, uh, regardless of whether they've got the time or not, if they really want to go and because they like you, they will put off what they're doing and go to the movies with you because you've asked them in a way that makes them feel good and they yes. want to share time with Let's you. Let's look at this, right? I was talking to the doggies today. Two, got two golden retrievers who are going for a walk at 4.30 this morning. I was talking to them today, talking about being on here and saying superpowers and and um, and selling ideas, selling things, right? And I was saying to them, I said, so it really comes down to this. So I'll paint this picture to make it really hard for you never to be able to sell ever again, right? <laughs> so for anyone who's listening, you don't want to be a salesman, I'm telling you, here's as hard as it is. Think of a bride. So think of this story. Think of a bride. She's getting married. She has to decide on the date and the time and the place. And then she writes a list of people and she tells everybody. Now, I'm sure 12 months in advance, you know, I had a girlfriend who was getting married in Fiji. She said, we're getting married in Fiji. You have to be there. There is no choice. Start saving now. And I can use all the excuses of, oh, but we've just had a baby. We've done this and we've done that. We don't have the money. We've got to do this and we've got to do that. We've got to sort out passports and everything else. But here's the truth. Here's how a bride does it. They just tell you the rules of the wedding, date, time, and place, and then you, the guest, have the choice to work it out. So you can sit there going, I can't do it for whatever reason. But over time, since those rules haven't changed, I get to work it out. Am I going or not going? Right? Mm-hmm. You cannot do it even faster. You die 
someone puts on a funeral on your behalf and in less than four days, people will travel from all over the globe to end up there. They will work it out. And then see your wedding, they'll spend a year agonizing over this. The guests will spend a year agonizing over it, finally get there to whatever time, cost, and whatever it is, price that it mm-hmm. is. And they'll spend half a day there, not get to see the bride, and then they'll leave. For a funeral, four days' notice, they'll rock up from all over the place. And then with the intention of I'll go to the funeral and go home, they see everybody, they stay for up to four days. Yeah. Right? And all they need is the rules of the funeral, date, time and place. Yeah. And for all the complaints that they say to themselves, they sell it to themselves. Customers sell themselves all the time. All you have to do is give them the rules. Yeah. So we, you know, when we go shopping, we go with intention of we want to buy something or we'll go to a specific store and we'll say, I want to buy this. And it can be a price that they're looking for, you know, a discounted price or whatever. So they might go to a few stores. But, you know, they can walk in and if they get served by someone who's really good and nice and they like them, regardless of the price, they'll buy it. That's right. They'll stand there complaining to themselves until they justify it and they'll buy it anyway. I watched it happen. Apple is the greatest example. Most expensive computers on the planet. I only have Apple because when I started working for Apple, I um I discovered a bloke named Steve Jobs. Yeah. I actually believe in Steve mm-hmm. and his um absolute nutcase. His plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Certified nutcase. Right. So I actually believed in Steve and his um his plan for the world. So as a result, now that he's been dead probably at least 10 years, but um, and I have to say, with the new phone that I've had for three years, I really hate that they took away the one button. They ruined the one thing that Steve absolutely made certain that everybody had, one button. He looked at a BlackBerry, said there's something like 54 or 84 buttons. I'm taking them all out. I'm giving you one. Now the new people have taken away the one button and given us a swipe screen, which I hate. And while in my head I'm going, they're going to run this company into the ground. However, I still believe in Steve. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how much they ruin everything. I believe in Steve and his original thought. As a result, a part of the Steve fan club, I can't buy a different sort of phone or computer. Even mm. though I have to say, Jack, I think, has a Samsung. And he got a tick in his neck earlier in the year. And we pulled it out. We didn't really know, but we pulled it out. So turned out, look, put it on a piece of, like a tissue. Jack gets out his cam- his phone, zooms in takes a picture and then zooms in seriously you can see it like as if it's under like a like microscope microscope. it is so amazing on my phone from the same angle i zoomed in and it's just like a blob (laughs) like the stuff doesn't work as good as some of these other things right so like phones and things samsung i don't know all phones but samsung has much superior camera and let's face it we use a camera for most things now yeah um and it's annoying i take pictures with mine and then go what that end up blurry i know because it's the apple component in it but um or it's you know whatever they use um which is a lower quality some of the other stuff on the other hand i can't change platforms because i still believe in steve jobs and i'm part of the steve jobs fan club so i pay the money that way even though it doesn't give me anywhere near what it is that i'm after yeah, what we buy according to who we believe in, their products according to who we believe in. Sometimes we buy the product because it's the product, but that's because we're selling ourselves in on what we believe of that product company name or person who's selling it to us anyway. Yeah, and there's 
millions of people that believe in Apple and they stand at the store when there's a new product early hours of the morning before the store opens cannot see the logic in it. But if I, you know, if, if I wanted something like that, I wouldn't stand for hours. I'd wait. Yeah. And I get it, get it anyway. Yes. Just late, that's all. Whereas yeah. those other ones, what the process was saying, I was the first. Harry Potter books were the same. Yeah. Yeah. Harry Potter books were the same. So it just depended. They just didn't want to, they didn't want a spoiler. They didn't want someone else to spoil the initial, you know, having it, right? So um, if the option was to stand at Ticket Tech to get tickets to pink, I'd do it. The option isn't there anymore. So as a result, you're kind of just stuck in the crowd of hoping you get something. Like I bought two tickets to pink for me to take Jack. Jack's been waiting five years. He's 13 and I bought us two tickets. And we're literally on opposite sides of a 51,000 person stadium mm. because those were the two tickets that I could get. I said to mm. Jack, I said, you're not sitting by yourself. And I'm not leaving you in a crowd of 50,000. I don't care if you be if you have a phone on the night. And I said, so I said, my job is to get us into the stadium. As for the seating arrangements, that's a different problem to deal with on the night. Until yeah. we get in the stadium, we have no problem to deal with. Yeah. No problem at all. Right. But um, so it's all about sales. And so that's where my superpower lies. My superpower lies in the ability to turn everybody into a salesman, whether they want to be or not. And see, once you have the knowledge to be a salesman, you can choose to use it or not. And that's my goal in life, is to have 8 billion people have the choice. And you don't, a lot of people don't want the choice. So you don't have to use it. You just have to have it. But why, why is it? I, I think, you know, I never used to think I was a salesman. And I worked in retail and I I couldn't sell something I didn't believe in or didn't look good or anything like I couldn't sell it. I'd find something. But I I could talk about the product and I worked in white goods and things for at some stage and I could talk about it, I could use it, I could demonstrate it, I could do all that, I could get them to the quote, but I couldn't get them past that. Yep. If I'd had and understood what I understand now, it would have been a totally different situation, yeah. you know. So it's really interesting. We don't look at ourselves as salespeople, but we're selling ourselves every day regardless of whether we're walking down the street and we're having a conversation with someone, we walk into a, into a shop and someone says hello. It's, it's all about that connection but you were heading towards that why 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 was i against it why could i not sell yeah. Here's why, yeah. right it's as simple as this someone once somewhere said to you sales was hard oh. someone once somewhere said that um you know um only the rare few can sell someone once somewhere said nobody likes a salesman here's how it is think of a wives tale right how did a wives tale come out what napple a day keeps the doctor away wives tale right <laughs> Now, I've asked this before of people, where'd that come from? Someone said, oh, I think it was an Apple seller was advertising. It probably was. Or it could have been as simple as this. One person once said to, let's say, their father, some woman or wife said to her husband or father said, or he said, you know, I eat an apple every day. I've never been sick. And it could be as simple as that. One person once so then that spread. You know what? Jack down the street eats an apple every day. He's never been sick. Maybe it's the apple. 
right? So why have cell come about? Because one person once it happened, pretzels. Simon and I talk about pretzels, like the making of pretzels. So Simon's a baker by trade. And so he's an of German descent. So pretzels are a very exciting product, right? But having learned all the bakery stuff, like baked goods, bread baked goods, right? You do cakes, but bread baked goods. Uh, he said to me once years ago, he said, yeah, so he said pretzels, how you get that that shiny look on a pretzel? He said they're dipped in caustic soda before they're cooked. No, that's bad for you, isn't it? He goes, oh, yeah, it's horribly dangerous. Like, okay, so <laughs> this, here's how it is, right? Even now, today, here's what they do, is they roll the dough, they do the shape of the pretzel, and then they either dip it in a solution of like this much caustic soda and this much of a bucket of water, right? But it's so bad. It's so poisonous to your, like it's so bad for you to touch that he has gloves that are about this thick, like right up to here as he puts it in or he paints it, whatever it is, right? It's that bad. And then it gets put in the oven and baked, right? Now, Now, here's the question. How did anyone come up with this in the first place? Probably one simple wives' tale. It came up once because back, think at the beginning of time, 200 plus years ago, right? Kings and queens, or let's say in Germany, right? They're, you know, cooking bread for the king. <laughs> and what's happening is they're baking bread, they're putting it all out, they're baking bread. And downstairs in the kitchen, the scullery maid is there cleaning as well with the caustic soda, no skin on her hands because of the caustic soda and everything else that she's cleaning with. And accidentally the bread falls into the bucket that she's cleaning with. Well, bread is very expensive. So what we'll do is we'll pull that out, cook that, but we'll give it to the poor people at the end of the king's table. We're not giving it to the king, right? We'll give it to the poor people because, you know, They've got to eat too and we can't afford it. So it went down there. As a result, it came out looking bright and shiny. Those people didn't die and they're going, we're giving that to the king from now on. Like it would have been as simple as just that. It happened once and then they've gone, hey, let's do that all the time. So a wives' house. So let's look at, the, look at this sales stuff. One person once said this sales thing is hard and then everybody took it as the truth. One person once said no one likes a salesman and then everybody took it as truth one person once said you need to have the gift of the gab and everybody took it as truth the truth is we have it when we're born here's how we have it we cry we get born we cry mom comes running we had it all along but then we listen to these these Wives tales, this one truth that one person had once that happened to say, by the wayside, and everyone took it as truth. So now they actually spread the messages that before you even get to be a salesman. Or oh, here, this one. Why aren't you? Why am I no good as a salesman? Because nobody likes a salesman. One person once said it, and mm. everyone took it as truth. It's a bit like um, the wives' tale money doesn't grow on trees. That's right. And and it sets a precedent for for people and they start to believe it. But That's when right. you actually delve into who you are and what you do, you sell yourself. Here's, here's the greatest wives' tale of all time. Now notice these wives' tales, they're just ads. 
They're advertisements. Here's the greatest advertisement of all time. It's been since the 70s and it's known across the entire planet. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. (laughs) Now, where did that come from? The cereal companies. Yeah. As in Cocoa Pops, as in Kellogg's, as in Corn Flakes, as in Frosties, Fruit Loops. It came from that. It's been used for over 50 years. Oh, yeah. And it's an ad that was created by the cereal companies to sell cereal. It's interesting, isn't it? And and it's that psychology of setting people on that road to believing that. Whereas my kids, they're 11 and 13, they say, but breakfast is just the first thing you eat regardless of when you get up. Mm. So, yes, we have breakfast-type food, like the boys will say, but I won't have that for breakfast. Like I won't have lasagna for breakfast. Well, boys, since you're just getting out of bed, well, you got out of bed a few hours ago and it's now 12 o'clock, just because you're breaking your fast on this doesn't make it breakfast food. It's not breakfast time. It's now much later in the day. So, but it's still... Technically, the first meal you eat of the day is breakfast. My breakfast this morning was a cup of tea and two cold, double-coated tip taps. <laughs> that my, was my breakfast this morning. Why? Because that's what I wanted. I broke my fast on that, and I'll have something else later on. Well, my breakfast is a cup of coffee, a glass of water and a cup of coffee so far. Yeah. And uh, I've been awake since oh, 4.30 this morning. I haven't been up then. I got up a bit later than if that. If we had a lamb roast in the fridge, my breakfast would have been that. We didn't have it. I'll be getting that no. in two weeks' time when I'm down at Simon's mom's place. Um, James makes, uh, actually, he does a Sunday roast, but I'm having surgery on a Monday, like the very next day. So this isn't going to work. So I'm going to have to play. But, James, you need to do it on the Saturday so that then I can have breakfast of roast and I can have lunch of roast and I can have dinner of roast. <laughs> before I head down to my surgery because I'm the lady. So, yeah. <laughs> but, you yeah. know, I'll start the day with last night's dinner. Chinese, oh, 100%. I'd be all over that. Really? Yeah. Whatever, at any time. Yeah. 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 It's interesting, isn't it, how, how you grow up with things and tacos. I, I need tacos first thing in the morning because wow. I love it. <laughs> no, no, I would never think about that. Isn't it interesting? Now let's let's go over your superpowers again because I think it's really important for people to understand that we all have superpowers. We don't really recognize them, but it it is a it is really important for us to recognize how good we are at what we do and that our superpowers can support and help other people grow, nurture themselves and be great at what they do. So my superpower is this. I have the ability to teach anyone across the planet to sell. That's it. And you say- against your wishes, it takes me less than 10 seconds I will teach the cell against your wishes. You'll never be able to turn it off, but you'll have the choice to turn it off. When you know how to do it, you have the choice to be able to do what you want whenever you want. Thank you, Misty. That's been great. A fabulous conversation. We always have fabulous conversations. I'm Faye Waterman, the conversation curator. This has been What's Your Superpower, the podcast, and we'll be back again. Bye for now.